0: There are just jerks
1: on the Internet who like to talk shit.
2: Folks, this is P. Bisardo, and you are listening to Dimitri on Smoke Free Radio.
1: Hello, my fellow vapors! Welcome to another edition of Smoke Free Radio. It has been, what, three weeks? Uh, I do apologize. Uh, Traveling, obviously, to Paris, France, uh, came in between me and you, the audience, and last week, uh, kindly, I gave my spot up for Mr. Russell Wishtar. He had a really good show, uh, and I didn't mind doing that for my buddy. So if you missed that show, go back on the archives of the VP Live Radio SoundCloud or iTunes and listen to it. Listen to all the shows here on the VP Live Network. Of course, Kevin on Sunday with VP Live Radio. Monday, Anti-Nanny with Raven Grimm and Jeannie and uh, Mr. Boring himself all the way from the U.K., Tuesday's ClickBang Radio with Russ. Wednesday night smoke free radio with me and Thursday, the lovely Jeannie K with a Jeannie K show. Uh, let me just go ahead and get this out of the way. Screw it. Man, I got this. This is my house. My house. Ooh. Call me. Call me CEO.
2: I'm in charge. Cigarettes? That's not my thing. That's not my thing. Nah. No way. Why? Why? Because I'm not- I'm not gonna let that even try to control me.
0: Not gonna let that
2: happen. This is my life. My life. I reject anything including tobacco that tries to
1: control me. Keep it fresh. Live tobacco free. You know, you know what the fuck. Seriously. Uh, the FDA has invested $128 million on advertising uh, as part of their Fresh Empire campaign. This campaign aims to curb the use of cigarettes and other tobacco products among minority teenagers. The FDA officials say that the research shows that young people who identify with hip-hop are more likely to smoke than their peers. Yes, folks, there you go. Your hard-earned money put to good use. Did they have $128 million laying around for this campaign? I wonder what Russ thinks about this campaign. That shit's good when you're high. Damn right it is. That's about the only time you can listen to it. I mean, it is horrible. I mean, you stereotype much, FDA. I would be if I was a young black male, I would be offended. I would start smoking just on purpose. A hundred and twenty-eight million dollars on that ad. Let me bring my co-host in. I haven't talked to her in a while. I got to get her in here so she can rant with me. And she's uh, on this side of the pond now. This feels kind of odd. <laughs> hey Meg, what's up? What's going on? Uh, I am. Uh, I, I didn't want to rage and rant because I want to save it for later. Uh, but you know, I can't. I said, just let me just get the shit out of the way. I mean, this campaign is is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean seriously I can't believe that the NAACP is not up in arms over this
0: they should be they should be because they're clearly targeting well it's for minorities they're clearly targeting minorities but when they say something like uh what is it the teens that listen to hip-hop music are more likely to smoke I was like headbanging to slash
1: like, I am like, calling <laughs> Reverend Jackson in the morning I am reaching out to my brother I'm gonna say Jesse you should do it. Come on, We've had a lot of, you know, shitty press. Not, I'm not going to say shitty press. You know, we had uh, Co- uh, Stephen Colbert on CBS the other day kind of bash vaping. And then uh, Made Man, which is a kind of like a satire little video, did a two-minute video on vaping, say no to vaping and stuff like that. So it seems like, I mean, I don't know. From one side, I kind of like that because it just brings it to light and just makes it a little bit more hip. And, you know, it gets a little bit more mainstream media coverage. Yeah. But on the other hand, when you see this campaign, 128, how about we spend $128 million on figuring out how to get people to quit smoking? How about that? How about that idea? Why didn't nobody think about that? Um, but anyway, welcome to the United States. I know. I'm excited. I'm glad I'm home.
0: <laughs> I'm really glad I'm home.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're back over here and, uh, and look forward to seeing you to one of these events, uh, hopefully here soon. We will get to your travels. Uh, we will get to uh, some ranting later on with you, so uh, uh, hold tight because I do want to bring on my guest. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a while since I've talked to him, and I'm very, very excited and proud to have on um, Senior Fellow at the National Center for Public Policy Research in Washington, D.C. I have followed this gentleman since I pretty much uh, started vaping. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jeff Steyer. Jeff, are you there?
2: I am here. It's great to be with you. Welcome back.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. And it has been a while since we've talked. Uh, I want to thank you for taking the time to to join us here today. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. uh, And you know where I'm going to go to uh, a little bit later on. Before we get started, for my audience that might not know what exactly you do, can you just briefly tell us how you work with harm reduction policy?
2: So I work for a public policy think tank. It's not as glamorous as some people may think it sounds. Uh, I deal with public policy as it relates to health issues. Uh, But unlike some of the nanny state groups out there, I believe in markets, free markets, and that markets can help solve problems out there in society uh, in a range of areas, whether it's food, nutrition, tobacco, environmental. Uh, So I believe in markets. And uh, as you know, I've been very excited about harm reduction, not only on e-cigarettes, but on snooze for, for many years, because I think it's a great example of how markets can help solve problems. The problem is the government is trying to get in the way and block this free market way to deal with the very serious health problem of smoking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as an advocate of free markets, I'm so excited uh, that there's this, this topic, harm reduction, uh, that I can use to educate the public uh, about free markets and how markets help solve problems, but it's also given me a way to meet people like you and and such fantastic advocates for harm reduction who are coming at it from a very different angle. And I think uh, these two different approaches, one is is your real-world real, real world experience with so many of your listeners uh, who have quit smoking with the help of these products, uh, some of whom maybe wasn't even their intent to quit smoking. Uh, and then my angle from a free market perspective, and then Uh, Having these these two worlds collide, I think, has been so fascinating. And I've learned so much uh, from your community. Uh, And I always uh, try to share my perspective uh, with that community as well, coming at it from a very different angle.
1: And it also helps you in the settings because you do get to to speak to people that we can't reach, uh, which I think is extremely important. Let me ask you this question. Just the concept of harm reduction, it's a difficult sell – uh, I mean, not only in the United States, I mean, it's a difficult sell gl- uh, globally. Some countries have taken it more. Uh, I mean, you saw what happened with public health England this past past few months, which was was a great thing that came out for for especially for advocates needing some tools. But I mean, harm reduction, not specifically to tobacco only, but harm reduction, is, it's a difficult sell. Why is that?
2: It is, but it is a difficult sell because anything that either looks like tobacco or people think might look like tobacco. Mm-hmm or has anything to do with tobacco, in their minds, is automatically bad because they've been told, the regulators, legislators have been told that it's, you know, plopped by big tobacco to keep people smoking. Obviously, we know that's not true. But let me offer some perspective because I've been working on this issue for well over 10 years. I guess that's why they call me a senior fellow at the National Center. I've been working on this issue for so long that early on, it was a much, much, much tougher sell talk about the public health england reporter all the positive media stories that that you and others have generated over the past three or four years is astounding Mm -hmm. thinking back six seven eight years ago before people knew what e-cigarettes were before you know some people in the u.s. used snooze but it was just not a a popular concept now it's as you pointed out earlier in the show it's on the colbert report and obviously he poked fun uh at our side But he was poking fun because he knew there was another side to the story. Mm-hmm. And he knew there was another aspect. He knew this, this was popular among former smokers and sure. people who were quitting. So I think we have made, uh, you know, if you take a step back, if you take five steps back, five years back, ten years back, to see some of the articles, the op-eds written on a regular basis now, it is mind-blowing how much progress we have made in introducing this idea that there is a less harmful way to get your nicotine, and that could actually improve public health. That was a hard sell before. I think the e-cigarettes, at least in the U.S., have been a proof of concept. And in in Sweden, the reason I say at least in the U.S., because we've had the proof of concept before. We've had it in Sweden and Norway with snus, But now we're seeing it in the U.S. and elsewhere with e-cigarettes that we have made such tremendous progress, that I think it's important to note it, uh, because I know it's easy to get down, and you know, sure. Stephen Colbert is making fun of us, and <laughs> yeah. you know all the negative news that we see.
1: Right. Sure, from a perspective standpoint,
2: we have made such great progress.
1: I, I agree with that. I agree, and that's why I didn't even, uh, you know, I did. I spent a little bit of time on Colbert uh, when I started the show because I think it was a good piece. I, I mean, from a good piece from the perspective of, hey, we're getting out there now, we're being heard, and you know, when you see these prominent figures. Mentioning it, or even doing a you know comedy piece on there. That's I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I remember the last time that we met at the TMA conference, and you came up to me and you said, because you know the life of an advocate, but people like me and M and all these other people in the community that that really are very passionate about this product. Sometimes we feel down and out. We feel defeated. We feel like like you know we we really haven't done anything. And you told me at the TMA. This is, not the tr- this is not true. Look what's happening and look at some of the people that we have changed their minds and we've changed the ideology. And I want you to specifically now on the e issue, within your, you know, your circle and what you've seen the last at least three four years, some of the changes, some of the people that you've seen come over to our camp.
2: Well, you look at uh, – you mentioned TMA, and by the way, that was before – uh, that was before Public Health England came out and endorsed e-cigarettes, sure. right? So I was saying back then, look at all the progress we've made, and we've made progress since then. Yeah. Uh, and it's a, it's a steady a steady uh, progress that we're making, and that's why I don't think uh, we should be down about it. Sure. Uh, but everywhere you turn, there are going to be critics, and the more success that we have, uh, the harder the critics are going to push back. Critics like the obvious ones, like Stan Glantz. Mm-hmm. But I would have said critics like the American Legacy Foundation. Sure also known as the Truth Campaign. I think they've changed their name again. Yes. But then you've got scientists with that organization, like David Abrams, who sure. spoke at that TMA conference. Yeah. Who, you know, I was, I was in Israel uh, speaking about this issue in August. He had already talked in tel- at Tel Aviv University to students and professors there. He is getting out there from legacy, from the Truth Campaign, the, the, the heart and soul of the tobacco control community, as an outspoken supporter Of the concept of harm reduction, you know, I'm going to surprise you here. Although, if if for your listeners who have read my work, it won't come as a surprise because I I I I I quote this every time I talk about the issue. Mm -hmm. The Obama administration's own tobacco regulator, Mitch Zeller, who we could all disagree with, Mm -hmm. has talked frequently about the concept of harm reduction, and he has argued at conferences that you and I have both been at, in public forums, and even in interviews with the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Mm-hmm. This is the Obama administration's top tobacco regulator, Mitch Zeller, that we, sh- we, the FDA, ought to keep in mind that if people are getting their nicotine from the most dangerous source, that we may want to change that, and that tobacco regulations at the FDA should keep that risk c- continuum in mind when we regulate. That's not you saying it. That's not that's Big right. Tobacco saying it. That's not even me, a free market advocate, saying sure. it. That's President Obama, the Democrats' top tobacco regulators saying it. You've got the Obama administration's top tobacco regulators saying it. You've got the Legacy Foundation, at least one or perhaps two of their top scientists saying it. You've got Public Health UK saying it. I mean, that's uh, a pretty power We're still in the minority. But that's, that's pretty, true. and, you know, it's going to take, time. Gonna take uh, time. But we have some very serious allies on our side, mm-hmm. even though, obviously, I, I wish Mitch Zeller would perhaps turn his uh, his thoughts into uh, actions on harm reduction, yeah. uh, and we can talk... Uh, in a bit about some of those concerns that you and I both have. Sure, we will. Uh, but I think there is tremendous progress. I,
1: I, I, you know, I, I agree with you. And I, being uh, attending these conferences, especially a lot of the conference where you know a vapor would not attend, would not hear of, and seeing some of these people speak, and especially the panel that you were on last time, which I thought it was just brilliant. I thought it was just wonderful having these people, having this conversation about tobacco harm reduction in a serious way and seeing some of their minds being swayed. Because in my opinion, without being a scientist and definitely not being an expert like you, I mean it doesn 't take a scientist to understand that if you are truly for public health, how can you not buy into the concept of of of, of 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 harm reduction through the use of electronic cigarettes when at least what data we have now shows that it's by magnitudes less harmful than traditional tobacco? so why do you think that we do have those mitch excuse me not but statin glance of the world? Why do we have those people and like minded people like him that are so adamant about this product.
2: Well, because I believe that they see it for the threat that it is, not only to big tobacco, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: but to big government, because there is a synergy between big tobacco and big government, right? Big tobacco makes money selling cigarettes. The government makes money on taxes selling cigarettes. That's one obvious connection. But to me, the more important and perhaps harder-to-see connection and this is, if you'll excuse me for being a bit thinky, but I do work at a think tank. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and feel free to challenge me if you don't think I'm right. But I believe that, you know, we've got this social contract, right? We live in this supposedly free world. But we have decided, we as a society, we as a country, we as members of a state or a city or county government or, or citizens of those governments have given up some of our rights mm-hmm. to the government to protect us. It's, I think, a pretty rational thing for people sure, to do.
1: Sure.
2: And the government is here to protect us from threats that lurk out there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing. We, you know, I'm not an anarchist, right? We want the government. We want regulation to be science-based and to protect us from real risks. Mm-hmm. So we've given up, because of the very serious uh, threat of, of cigarette smoking, we've given up the right to buy a cigarette for what it costs, and we pay a lot more for it right. to protect us from smoking. as a, a syntax on cigarettes. Mm-hmm uh... we've given up the right to some of our money to have the government advertise about the dangers of smoking Mm -hmm. we've given up the right to buy cigarettes without all sorts of warning labels on them or to sell cigarettes without warning labels Mm -hmm. government puts warning labels on these things Mm -hmm. the government has all sorts of control how we live all sorts of control over how we live and we've given the government that control under this social contract and the idea is that companies are out there to make money they don't care about your health Mm -hmm. So we need the government to step in. But here you've got the e-cigarette, and this is the key point, which is the product of profit-driven innovation. That's what Stan Glantz doesn't like. Mm -hmm. And people are making money off of it. But it's actually improved public health and has the potential to do more good, and I say it, right, this wide range of products, Mm -hmm they have the potential to do more good for public health than any warning label, any tax, any government regulation could have ever done. And the reason we may have so much good for public health is not because of government control, but because of a free market. So the stained glances of the world who believe that the government is here to protect us from the evils of capitalism and the private sector... Mm -hmm. They see e-cigarettes not only as a threat to their revenue stream, which it is, but as a threat to their very moral authority to control aspects of how we live, through taxes, regulations, warning labels, what have you, because here's a private sector-driven innovation that could do more good than anything they've ever done before. So. They want us to think that it's only the government could help, who could help them sure. and protect them, which is why we should give up more of our rights to the government in the nanny state. And I believe, and I think you do, that actually the private sector has the potential. I mean, Sorry. think about all the hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, and I'm not exaggerating, that federal, state, city, county governments spend every year, year in and year out on tobacco control. Mm-hmm. Hundreds and hundreds of millions sure. of dollars. Perhaps billions. And they haven't come up with the e cigarette. They right. haven't found a way for people to quit smoking happily.
1: So you think so, let me just on that point rather right so it's a combination of what you say, but also do you think that the last twenty, thirty years of tobacco control that has failed, it would be kind of them admitting that, hey, listen. What we've done the last 23, it really hasn't really cut down youth smoking. and it really hasn't declined. but More and more people are smoking. It really hasn't benefited public health. We really can't admit that, though, and this product here is coming along and, and can threaten these last 20, 30 years of this investment, basically, by the same people that are dying because they're the ones that are paying the taxes through it, uh, that has not worked. It, it simply has not worked.
2: That's right. And, and, you know, they're going to take credit and say cigarette smoking rates have come down. I think they've come down because of a greater awareness over time. There's a lag time. Mm-hmm. Uh, people know how dangerous smoking is, and people fewer people across generations have begun to smoke. Sure. I, I think, you know, kids smoke because their their older brother or sister or cousin or uncle or aunt or parents smoke. Mm-hmm. And it takes time this, for for it to trickle down through society that people are going to smoke less. I'm sure... Some of the restrictions that they've placed on smoking have had some effect. But it's, it's bottomed out. Smoking rates have not declined significantly, except for maybe in the past few years there's been some decline that kind of equals the increase in e-cigarette use, but they don't want to admit any correlation between that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in my world, it's good for whatever reason. You know, I always think when you're working on a project, it's always good to share credit. Maybe... From the harm reduction, from the anti-smoking perspective, maybe these nanny staters have done a little bit of good. I think it was mostly through education and awareness. Mm-hmm. Let them say it was uh, smoking restrictions that did some good. Okay. But those restrictions have not done any good in recent years. They, they, we have not seen a continuing decline in smoking until e-cigarettes came along, of course. Sure. So I think perhaps it's time to say, okay, whatever those restrictions were over the past couple of Decades, maybe they did some good, but they've stopped doing good. Mm-hmm. How do we get smoking rates lower, especially among people who don't want to be smoking? Yeah. The gum in the patch don't work for a lot of people. We know that. You know, if you listen to CVS, uh, mm-hmm. who says that cigarette smoking rates have gone down because they stopped selling cigarettes? Well, <laughs> uh, that's absurd. So why why would people? You know, if you look at the number of people still smoking, you look at that sector of people. How do you give them an option? And to me, it's about giving them an option to the government it's about how do you force them to quit. I think the best way to help those people who are still smoking is to give them additional options. Sure. That's why I'm excited about Snooze, about Sigalikes, about mods, about next-generation products, about next-generation products we haven't even thought about yet. Because I believe in consumer choice. I, I think markets are better at solving these problems than governments are. And I'll concede maybe the government has done a little bit of good over 20 or 30 years, but they're not doing any good today because they're driven on maintaining control over how we live and not driven by solving problems. For people like David Abrams, he's driven by solving problems, and even though it's making him highly unpopular in his professional community of tobacco control, Mm -hmm. he is a hero and is standing up for science.
1: Three, four, there are seven.
2: others out there li- like him yeah. who are standing up for science,
1: and, and they have taken some heat uh, as well too. And I have noticed that as well. Three four seven three zero eight eight three two nine. Press one if you have any questions or comments for just And of course, Twitter at vapinggreek uh, hashtag SmokeFreeRadio. radio. Before we dive into the FDA thing, let me just ask you another question because I was watching the Indiana I'm hearing yesterday. Indiana hearing. Uh, and and what I noticed was. <clears throat> A few times during the hearing yesterday, the Public Health England Public study Health was mentioned. Study I'm getting a little bit of echo. I don't know if that's coming from you, Meg, if you can mute it on that side. Um, I, I, I noticed that a few times that the Public Health England uh, study that was mentioned, the legislators there in Indiana – uh, kept asking for U.S. studies, right? Uh, it, it, what have we done here in the U.S. to show that this product is helping people quit smoking? Uh, you know, okay, we appreciate uh, the, the Cardiac Center in Athens, Greece, and, and the U.K., especially this is, I'm just one of the, one of the legislators that was talking. Uh, but, uh, you know, we this is what's happening over there. We need to find out what's happening in the U.S. I mean, we have such great science to back up what us, the advocates and the tobacco harm reduction advocates are saying, but it appears now lately that these politicians here in the United States are shifting it around saying, hey, listen, this is, uh, we don't have anything here in the U.S. to back up what you guys are claiming to do. How do we, how do we fight that?
2: Could you, imagine, could you imagine for a moment if there was a landmark study that said that cigarette smoking causes lung cancer? And that study was done in Europe. Could you imagine if some <laughs> legislator from Kentucky got up and said, "Well, that's just you know Europeans—they're very different <laughs> from us Americans." Yeah, you know, that's absurd <laughs> on its face. That, that the Brits are so, de- and it's not the first time they've used this approach because you know, you've heard me talk about snus, and I'm a big advocate sure, for harm uh, reduction I across the board. And smokeless tobacco products—you know—in Sweden, the data is very clear. Dr. Brad data is is just the Swedish experience is so obvious that when you reduce your exposure to smoking that you're go- not going to get lung cancer. Yeah. I mean, you don't need to be a scientist to understand that it's the tobacco burning and being inhaled into the lungs that causes lung cancer and that if you're not burning tobacco and you're using snooze, then you're getting your nicotine and you're not getting lung cancer. Well, we've got data in Sweden and Norway that shows that to be true among the Swedish men who aren't smoking anymore and are using snooze the uh, General Tobacco put in a mo- modified risk tobacco product claim to say, hey, snooze is not as dangerous as smoking. Can we uh, adjust the warning labels and have it be able to make a claim based on that very clear science? And to make if it wasn't obvious, obvious enough to the tobacco control community and the FDA, they presented data out of Sweden and Norway. Sure. And the scientists on the advisory committee at FDA said, well, you know, that's data out of Sweden and Norway. We don't know if it applies to... To, to American human beings. you know, it's, it's absurd. Obviously, everyone has different practices. Everyone has different cultures and ways of doing things. And maybe, obviously, uh, snus is not as popular here in the U.S. as it is in Sweden. But the, the, the concept of harm reduction, yeah. the, the principle still applies. And the reason, perhaps, that we don't have data on that in the U.S., and the question that legislators are asking probably fed to them, by the American Lung Association sure. or the American Heart Association, which who are inexplicably opposed to harm reduction, maybe the answer to that question should be another question. Yeah, and that is why hasn't the CDC come up with that answer? Right. You know, Dimitri, you know that I'm I'm Jewish, <laughs> uh, and and there's often a, a, a joke told in the synagogue: Why does a Jewish person always ask, answer a question with another question? Another question,
1: yeah. Why not? Sure. What happened is <laughs> why not in, in this particular meeting, in this particular meeting, uh, one of the people that was that was testifying did answer with a question, and then the politician got offended. He's like, "Are you here to do the questions, or I'm here to do the questions?" You know, he, like he was he was questioning. You know, he asked them. Uh, why do you need you know, strawberry shortcake or something like that for your flavors? And the guy told him back, "He's like, don't you like strawberry shortcake?" And the guy got offended. <laughs> I wanted to reach through this well, through my mind modern- uh, because
2: he's not educated. Right? On the exactly, because exactly. He's not educated on these the questions.
1: Here's you what,
2: know, and the reason in my the reason in my religion and my culture that we we make jokes like that is because we appreciate the value of questions. Questions help us get answers. So my question is, why isn't the CDC? Why didn't the CDC invent the e cigarette 20 years ago? Sure. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, the
2: technology good. from the more basic products isn't that complicated. That's, that's a great question. So, why didn't the CDC, with yeah. all of its money? Yeah, yeah. Why didn't the FDA? Why didn't federal agencies, Department of Health and Human Services, with all it wasn't for a lack of resources? What's the difference between the private sector and the public sector? Why did the private sector, people who wanted to make money, come up with this product? It's not like. The, and why did they do it, and the government didn't? It's not as if the government didn't have enough money. It's because the private sector is able to think this way and come up with new products because people are willing to invest in it because they think they might make money. And that's what is offensive to these regulators.
1: And, and also, but, but to
2: answer your question, yeah. to answer your, your, your direct question about the, the legislators asking, well, why don't we have data in the U.S., the answer is very clear. Open your eyes. Yeah.
1: I, I, I personally... I talked to Dr. F in Paris, and he told me that he took, um, he downloaded the the entire study from Public Health New England. I mean, from Public Health England, and he found a lot of interesting data inside. And he's analyzing this data, and he's putting out this this uh, uh, this this other uh, uh, published paper through the data that he got from Public Health England, and through what they found inside there, thirty percent. Uh, Total quit rate with electronic cigarette. 35% uh, reduced their their consumption, dual use. Uh, Out of that, 17% eventually became full-time use of electronic cigarette. I mean, we're talking about numbers up to 65% of harm reduction in this study, right? I mean, it's mind-blowing, Jeff, that people cannot accept that this damn product is working, for crying out loud. Why would you want to restrict your citizens as a even a even a public health policy or or politician or legislator or even a city councilor, why would you want to restrict your citizens from the option of not dying is still to me the biggest unknown in in my four or five years of advocating
2: yeah well you're absolutely right I, you know i've seen it in my field before on a way on a range of topics whether it's uh, food issues or tobacco issues we saw it on stews obviously and it's playing out again and we're going to see it on next generation products it, it, it's a, the the only rational answer to why why are they doing this is because it's not about public health if right. it we're really about public health they would be asking more questions sure. they would be getting more answers but to me as i've said earlier in the show it's about an ideology it's about protecting the turf of the government not only the money which we talk about a lot in the taxes but i believe it's about an ideological battle over who is best at solving problems the government or the private sector i'm not an anarchist i think there's an appropriate role for regulation of a wide range of products including e-cigarettes but i do not think that what's driving the tobacco control community today, at least opponents of harm reduction, I do not think they are really, really down at the heart of it advocating for health. They're advocating for more government control because of a distrust that they hold for private markets.
1: Would the government bankrupt tomorrow if everybody quit smoking? That's a question from the Box from of city and
2: state governments would be. <laughs> we wouldn't have... Uh, child health care anymore it was built on S chip and a dollar ta dollar a cigarette tax yeah. dollar a pack a cigarette tax so uh yeah the government relies on cigarette taxes a lot but i don't think that's at the heart of it i think mm-hmm. it's it's deeper than that and if you know i i think a lot of people say well we ought to just tax e-cigarettes and then the government will won't be opposed to it anymore i don't think that's true because i don't think it's only about the money right and obviously, let me just say for the record, I think that would be a really bad idea to tax e cigarettes <laughs>
1: that like a, cigarettes. That but would be a very, very bad idea. Uh, but, but eventually, I mean, taxes come in. We see it, and it's happening state by state. Before Again, again, I'm, I keep uh, putting back the FDA because I see what's happening state by state now. And, and the issues that we're facing state by state, especially with the MSA money, California is a prime example, which takes a big chunk of that, is really aggressively going after electronic cigarettes. So if these states restrict uh, the, the use of uh, tax, the product, uh, uh, disturb the distribution of the product, close down these vape shops, which are vital for people to quit smoking. They have to have that outlet more than the C-Store to give them the support. If if they do all that within the states, what's the use of waiting on the FDA regulations? (laughs) The product won't be around.
2: And you mentioned the vape shops. Uh, You can talk about vape shops. You can talk about e-cigarette advertising. Mm -hmm. I think, and and you look at it, try to look at it through my prism of talking about this from a free market perspective. I think every television commercial you see for an e-cigarette, every piece of marketing, advertising, every interaction between a vape shop owner and a potential customer, almost all of whom are adult smokers, each of those is a public health activity being funded by the private sector. That has one difference. It works. The public, the government spending on these issues isn't working much anymore. So when I look at what is the government doing to help people not smoke and what is the private sector doing to help people not smoke, mm-hmm. I see interactions between vape shop owners and smokers, and the vape shop owners are educating smokers. I see commercials late at night advertising e-cigarettes. Maybe they, maybe, maybe they aren't the most effective e-cigarettes out there, and the, the, maybe they're not the most popular products, but we do see those products being advertised, sure. and it does open up people's idea to a less harmful way of getting your nicotine. The government is not doing an effective job. I mean, I live in New York City. Up until at least very recently, the New York City government was paying for television commercials. Sad to bring this up during Yankee games.
1: Uh, <laughs> don't don't, don't rub it in. I'm still crying. From, from Ten
2: mind. years ago about people in the hospital from smoking. And they were such, I mean, they were talking down to people. They were telling adult baseball fans that smoking is dangerous. I mean, who are they? Who is their audience? Are they really going to get help anyone quit smoking by showing someone who can't speak anymore from a ten-year-old television commercial? Mm-hmm. But the e-cigarette commercials that the government wants to restrict are actually finding smokers and getting them to quit. Sure. And the government's talking about not restricting its own advertising that's ineffective and wasting money, mm-hmm. but wants to restrict advertising that reaches out to smokers. And is giving them a productive way to quit smoking.
1: Yeah. Well, they're busy making uh, hip-hop ads, apparently. <laughs> apparently lately those, <laughs> those hip-hop ads are, are, uh, uh, are, are really bad. And I will call Jesse Jackson. No, no, make no mistake about it. I'll have all sharp and I'll have everybody on it tomorrow. All right, let's transition a little bit. By the way, 347-308-8329, press 1 if you have any questions for Jeff Steyer. Let's transition a little bit to the FDA. And this is uh, you know my original intent of reaching out to you because – I have seen it from the inside. and Sometimes I speak about it here on the show, and it's nice to have another perspective, uh, somebody like you that lives it every day. We are waiting on deeming regulations. So let's start with that. We are waiting on these deeming regulations to come from the FDA. Um, There has been a postponement after postponement after postponement, which is a good thing. I think you can agree with me that that is a good thing. The more that it delays, it means that maybe, just maybe, that the FDA is taking its time a little bit with this because they don't want to get it wrong. Do you agree with that? I'm
2: going to provisionally agree with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reason I don't, and I'm always, I always err on the side of agreeing with mm-hmm. you, because uh, you're usually right, but in this particular case, I'm going to suggest the possibility mm-hmm. that this is not good. Okay. These delays at the FDA continue to promote uncertainty about how these products will be regulated, mm-hmm. uncertainty about how the government sees the safety of these products. Uncertainty about the role of harm reduction, uncertainty about whether Congress needs to come in and fix the law in the first place. If the you know, if the FDA put in, in into effect reasonable deeming regulations that advance harm reduction, I'd be all for it. If the FDA is actually going to put forth regulations that ban most 99.9% of the products out there already, perhaps more, I, I'd argue more. Uh, then I'd rather the issue the deeming regulations right away and let the real fight begin and let Congress fix the law. But continuing to delay it um, really slows down our movement. It really promotes uncertainty. Uh, the, the, all the bad stuff that the other side is doing uh, is getting a chance to take hold. So I, I would rather take a more aggressive stance and say let the FDA do what it's going to do, and let it do the right thing and, and have policies that reflect harm reduction, or if the FDA is going to speak at once out of one side of its mouth and say we endorse the concept of harm reduction, right. but then apply the law in such a way through the deeming regulations to actually undermine harm reduction, then I think we ought to just we ought to get on with it and, and have the have perhaps a legislative sure. battle. Sure. So you're saying uh, let's just put it out, But all this uncertainty and all the delays, I don't think help us anymore.
1: So you say just put it out, whatever it is. Let's deal with it. Let's at least know where you stand, so we can start working on and trying to fix what's wrong, because obviously there will be some wrong stuff in there. Um, do you, do you think now by them dropping these special, you know? Uh, comment that they want on on the first we had the labeling issue where they dropped the docket and they said please comment on you know and if you saw a stat and glance response to that was just hilarious but first we have the labeling issue now all of a sudden they're dropping this um, this one thing that every business owner and even advocates even though advocates have the right to say anything that they want to has always been walking this fine line The clarification of when products made or derived from tobacco are regulated as drugs, devices, or combination products, amendments to regulations regarding the intended use of the product, okay? Um, So do you think by them dropping these little special dockets that these are kind of like a preamble to the actual regulations that are going to come out? Are Are they trying to maybe thin down a little bit the industry, or they're trying to manipulate their ways to try to cut down some of the existing products and the steam, no pun intended, that they have taken?
2: Well, certainly the the most recent uh, directive that they put out, the clarification about when products made or derived from tobacco should be regulated as drugs or devices or both, certainly to me looks like a regulatory move preamble, as you say, perhaps, to create uh, what I would call a basket, a regulatory basket to put harm reduction products in on the drug and device side rather than on the tobacco side. We know about the Cotera decision that said, look, these are not e-cigarettes, at least those e-cigarettes were not drugs or devices. They were tobacco because they're derived from tobacco.
1: Expand that just a little bit. Just for the listeners that might not know, expand that Sotera decision a little bit, because I think this is going against that Sotera decision, where uh, explain us exactly what that decision said, and how it applied electronic cigarettes to tobacco as well, too, from Judge Leon.
2: So the FDA has... So first of all, the FDA has no authority. uh, This is like Law 101. Mm -hmm. And the FDA has no authority to do anything unless... Congress grants the FDA authority to do something. So going back before Cetera, going back way back, David Kessler, the FDA FDA commissioner under President Clinton, tried to say, hey, we, the FDA, we're in the business of protecting public health. We're going to regulate cigarettes. Mm -hmm. And of course, tobacco industry said, you can't do that. You don't have the authority to regulate cigarettes. Why? because Congress never gave you the authority to regulate cigarettes. And the Supreme Court eventually agreed. The Supreme Court said, you know what? We think cigarettes are really dangerous. We, we don't really want people smoking. It's bad for public health. But Cong- the FDA can't just come in and regulate these products. Congress has to give it that authority. It took a very long time. Uh, but Congress eventually gave the FDA authority to regulate tobacco products. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it had some language about modified risk products, which... Back then when, you know, I was working on this issue, we were talking about snooze. We weren't talking about e-cigarettes. So Congress didn't really even envision giving FDA authority to regulate e-cigarettes. It wasn't really something that Congress was aware of or regulated for. So the, regulate, the, the law that currently gives the FDA authority to regulate e-cigarettes, it, it doesn't match. It doesn't fit the product. But the FDA said, hey, we're going to have to regulate these products in one way or another, and obviously these e-cigarettes seem to be a way to quit smoking, so we're going to regulate them like drugs or drug devices, Cessation. Uh, medical devices. Mm-hmm. And there was a lawsuit about that and said, you know, you can't do that because these are really tobacco products. And uh, Judge Leon essentially said the law that gave the FDA authority to regulate tobacco products was written very broadly Instead of a tobacco product is defined as a product that's derived from, from that. tobacco. Sure. And the nicotine, the court found, Judge Leon found, the nicotine in e-cigarettes today, and and when the court case came out, those e-cigarettes had nicotine, at least the ones with nicotine did, had nicotine derived from tobacco, because that's the best way to get nicotine. Uh, And therefore, according to the way Congress wrote the law, the FDA does not have authority to regulate e-cigarettes as drugs or devices, so long as they don't make a certain claim, which we'll get into. Mm -hmm. But rather... Because it's derived from tobacco, then they're going to be tobacco products. And the regulatory structure that Congress set up for the FDA to deal with tobacco, that's the the division of the FDA, and the rules about tobacco products are the ones that apply to e-cigarettes, at least the ones with nicotine in them. Now, if an e-cigarette manufacturer came out and sold an e-cigarette for the very purpose of helping you quit smoking, even under Judge Leon's decision... That would be a smoking cessation device, and it would be regulated on the drug and device side rather than the tobacco side, and it has a whole different set of rules that apply to it. For instance, for a drug and device, the product has to be shown, just like a medicine, needs to be shown to be safe and effective. Well, on the e-cigarette side, as you know with modified risk tobacco products, there's a very different standard in place. It has to benefit the public health, both for the sure. individual and for the population as a whole. It's a whole different standard. So how do you regulate these products? Well, it depends on what claims they're making. So I think what happened recently with this clarification, and I, I, I got to laugh because it's more than 30 pages of clarification. <laughs> the FDA can put out a hip-hop ad targeting an audience. Uh, it's very clear what the FDA meant in their hip-hop ad. They, they do know how to communicate. Uh but in the summary section of the clarification of products made or derived from tobacco being uh drugs or devices, uh in the summary it says this action is intended to provide this direction to regulated an industry and to help avoid consumer confusion. Thirty three pages of avoiding consumer confusion. I'm trained as a lawyer. I did pretty well in law school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I study laws for a living. It did not avoid consumer confusion for me.
1: It did not at all. You know, this is,
2: I, I would have understood the hip-hop ad better.
1: <laughs> you can relate to that a little bit better than, than this, this analysis, right?
2: So obviously it's not there to provide. Um,
1: Do you think they're going the route consumer. to push us back into that? Do you think that?
2: But I mean, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why they did that and obviously I, I, I I'm not going to know what the Demi regulations say, but I think they're and and you know I'm talking to you now as a lawyer, as a regulator, as someone who thinks like the people who wrote this regulation think mm-hmm. best I can tell they're trying to create a regulatory basket on the drug and device side because the way lawyers and and policy makers and regulators think is is very structured based on what the regulations say. And let's just say an e cigarette company came out and made a claim, and I'm going to make it easy, and said, this product will help you quit smoking. Then it is regulated as a medical product, as a drug or a device or a combination thereof. So the FDA has done a lot of work recently on regulations, which fall under the tobacco category, but it doesn't have much in the way of defining what these products are. That would be a, a, a drug or a device. So I gave you a very obvious example, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, it, if it's meant to help you quit smoking. But what if the product, and this is why I find the clarification that the FDA ish, uh, issued recently as troubling, is because it seems to create a basket. On the drug and device side, that's pretty big, yes. and that's why I'm concerned yes. because it seems to be saying that if this product is supposed to make you feel better or is supposed to do something that is medical like, if you know we, we 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 often laugh about the language uh, regarding uh, nutraceuticals or or these uh, things that are meant to Help improve your structure and function of your heart. Well, the reason they use that language is because they don't want to be treated as a medicine. Because if you, know, you took a ginkgo biloba uh, to improve your memory, and it was, and, and it says to help improve brain uh, brain structure, brain function. Well, then it, it's kind of that that language is meant is, le- is legalistic language meant to exclude the product from being regulated as a drug. Because there's separate legislation that gives the FDA authority to deal with dietary supplements, so we know there's also now separate legislation that helps the FDA deal with drug with uh, tobacco products but what if what if an e cigarette or a product derived from tobacco made a medical claim well then it 's got to be treated like a drug or a device, and that 's what this uh, clarification is meant to do. I have... It's meant to kind of create that basket and, and with definitions of what these products are.
1: It's very, very.
2: And, and, and the FDA also pointed out that if you're doing medical research uh, and you want to do a test uh, and you're making certain medical claims, how it's going to be not a modified risk tobacco product claim, but it's going to fall within the, uh, the disease claim under, uh, under the drug and device law.
1: I've I've read it. I read it. I read all pages. I didn't understand most of them, but I'm trying to pull some stuff out that is really troubling to me. Of course, the nicotine addiction, relapse prevention, relief of nicotine withdrawal symptoms—all this wording to me—it defines the electronic cigarette. Because again, again, we're seeing the well. Be
2: careful. If that's true, if that's so, if you think, if you really think that an e-cigarette is meant to do those things, then what this rule, proposed rule or this guidance actually does is, you know, I said it creates a regulatory basket on the drug and device side.
1: Right.
2: It creates a huge basket it on that side.
1: It Does it does. And you
2: could, and if if your interpretation of it is accurate, then that could solve, you know, that could solve the deeming regulation pro- issue. <laughs> it would. Because it would. if it's now a device, it's no longer a tobacco product. And the deeming regulations, the whole, you know, we keep using those, that phrase, deeming regulation. What does deeming regulation mean? It means that the FDA is deeming these products as tobacco products. So let's just say, I mean, I'm being imaginative here, but just for uh, illustrative purposes, if the deeming regulation, as we all expect it to do, will ban 99.9% of the products because there's no grandfather product. There's no original predicate product. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to go through this very uh, probably impossible uh, route of getting a product approved as a modified risk tobacco product, mm-hmm. with obviously not accepting data from the U.K. or Sweden or anywhere else. And you couldn't do, even do these studies because it would be impossible to educate the public about how much less harmful these products are than smoking. So it would just be impossible to get on uh, I call it an on-ramp. Uh there's a substantial equivalent on, on-ramp that if these products are substantially equivalent to one that was on the market before the grandfather date, well they're closing off the substantial equivalence on-ramp. Yep. And the other on-ramp is modified risk tobacco product, which is going to be impossible to prove. We'll see what they do on Snooze by the way. Stay tuned on that. Sure. But let's say they close off the substantial equivalence approach of getting an e-cigarette on the market under the tobacco rules, and they we know the modified risk tobacco product standard is, is very, very expensive, at the very least, uh, to meet, if, if you can at all, then there's no on-ramp for these products as a tobacco product. But if it's a medical device, well, there are other major problems with that. But maybe this is just Redirecting—it's almost like a sign detour. You thought you were going to get on the market or or stay on the market under deeming regulations. Maybe this is the FDA setting up another basket. Who knows? I mean, yeah, that would is,
1: be <laughs> yeah, that that would be an ideal situation. But from my perspective, and the way that I've read it, again, I'm not I have nowhere near the knowledge as you is if they restrict this language. I mean, if that if the language is so restrictive, basically you're telling the smoker that this product is just as harmful as the product that they're using. Again, it's another way of chokeholding the industry and the innovation in this open market that you're talking about. So if, even from a harm reduction Obviously standpoint... Obviously,
2: I think it would be a bad idea. Let me, let me say, <laughs> I think it would be a bad idea. And What I think this, this may be, one way of looking at this, is it may be redirecting people from or companies from the substantial equivalence on-ramp or the modified risk tobacco product on-ramp to an entirely different highway, which is drug devices. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm yes. speculating here. Obviously, I think it would be a bad idea. Right. And, and I have problems with public health England even for going that route. And right. I mentioned earlier I was in Israel. In Israel, legislators have thought about uh, treating e-cigarettes like, uh, like, chant- like Chantix. Mm-hmm. Like the government gives away Chantix to smokers in Israel. That's what they call it in the basket, in the medical basket that the socialized medicine system there covers. If you're a smoker, you get free drugs. So some adv- some people who heard what I was saying in Israel said, "Hey, if these products are so good, maybe we should just give them away to smokers, or, or you know, treat them like drugs that we give to sick people." I think that's a very, very bad idea by medicalizing these products. I think it's a bad idea. But I, I'm just I'm thinking that's what they're trying to do here.
1: Sure, uh, HR 2058. A question from the audience. Um, uh, you know, what is the latest? How is it moving along? Do you think that we have a chance with it? <laughs>
2: You know, if there's any hope in changing the law, and as I said earlier, I think the law was written before e-cigarettes were contemplated by many people, other than some maybe you, but most people were not thinking about e-cigarettes when this legislation uh, I, when this legislation was being written. Most of it was already built in to regulations that already existed. As a result of the Attorney General's agreement with the states. So most of the FDA's law was already, in effect, the law, before the law even passed. And the big debates back then were about whether the FDA was going to ban menthol cigarettes, whether it was going to ban flavored cigarettes and clove cigarettes. They weren't talking about flavored e-cigarettes. They weren't even talking about e-cigarettes. So this law was not written for today's time. If the deeming regulation... One, very small, you know, it's getting a lot of attention now, but it was the tiniest little piece of this law. Who knows who came up with it? I mean, who is the, the man or the woman who drafted that language, and what were they thinking? Yeah. Uh, it's hard to know. Some people would say it was the campaign for tobacco-free kids and Altria together mm-hmm. came up with it. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But what, whoever thought of that could not have possibly been thinking, what's the best way to regulate e-cigarettes and the deeming regulations and whatever grandfather date we're creating for them, he, I mean, you couldn't tell, nobody could tell the future like that to be able to come up with rational regulations, come up with deeming regulations for e-cigarettes. It just wasn't part of the law. So if there is a hope to change the law today to at least make sense in terms of the grandfather date, then I think Congress might get it, might understand, hey, this would be good. But... Taking my, my broader experience dealing with members of Congress and their staffs, this issue is not ripe to them. I could go and go to Capitol Hill and talk to regulators who or, or legislators who understand harm reduction and say, you need to fix the law, the, the deeming regulation, the grandfather date, all of that is wrong. They would say to me, how do you know that? And I would say, well, there's this proposed regulation. And they would say, what do you mean proposed regulation? It's not even a regulation yet even when it does come into effect you're going to have two years there's going to be litigation who knows in their mind they're dealing with other things today that to them are more important i think this is a very important issue but there's other stuff going on in this country legislators will not see this issue as ripe as ready to be addressed until the fda actually puts out a final rule and maybe even then they'll say hey you know, they, they they like to push things off until the last minute, right? We see that with, with the spending bill, and we see that with all sorts of things where they lay wait to the very last minute. So they let's just say the proposed rule came out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. October great. The proposed rule comes out. I mean, the final rule comes out. Then regulators are going to say, hey, we've got at least two years. Uh, legislators are going to say, we have at least two years to fix this. Obviously, it will cause problems now. Mm-hmm. It's already causing problems, which is why I want the deeming regulations to come out as soon as possible so we can deal with it. But Congress is going to say, this isn't right. We don't need to deal with it yet. I don't think we're going to get a majority in the House, a majority in the Senate, to say, oh, there was a mistake. We need to fix it. I don't think it's going to get their attention. Obviously, there are ways to, to uh, fix legislation through other means and you know, doing it behind the scenes in and, and, and a fix. I, I don't think we're going to get away with that here. I mean, obviously, it would be the right thing to do. That's my favorite. If the deeming regulations are written in a bad way. Uh, but Stan Glance and his friends are not going to allow us to, to kind of bury this in another piece of legislation.
1: Do I have heard some, uh, some rumors <clears throat> and some Capitol Hill musings that uh, there is some action at OMB, at the Office of uh, Management and Budget, uh, on the deeming regulations. Can you confirm or deny, or have you heard anything?
2: Oh, I, I know nothing beyond what you know, you know better than I do, but I will tell you that the the OMB process is a very good one. Uh, I participated in it last time. Maybe you did as well. Uh, and you actually sit down and you talk to officials at the White House. Uh, it's a public comment period, and I, I have not received a notification the public comment period is opening back up. Uh, but on the proposed rule, there was an announcement, official announcement, and there is a comment period. and. And they actually, uh, this is uh, December and January, uh, I guess two years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, where they had these meetings. And I went down to Washington and met in the OMB office with uh, with regulators at OMB as well as uh, FDA officials who were on the phone call with us. Mm-hmm. And they listened. I mean, I, I've met with regulators and legislators who don't listen. <laughs> so I know what not listening is like. Uh, these people are actually listening. Uh, so... When that process begins, there will be a period of time where, there, where I expect there will be an open comment period where you could submit written comments, mm-hmm. and you could even go in to meet with them. Uh, in those meetings, uh, they do listen. Um, they don't talk. They don't tell you what they're thinking or what they're doing or what they're concerned about. Uh, but I think if, if you take that meeting and that little bit of time that you have with them or your opportunity to write a letter or to submit comments on the website, they are required to listen. Uh, they're required to take those thoughts into account. Uh, and you know, we're only dealing with rumors because they don't tell us <laughs> what the communications are between Sorry. OMB and the FDA. Uh, but lots of people think that the OMB meetings that, that took place uh, actually got the FDA to change the proposed deeming regulations. And the main goal of OMB uh, is to make sure that regulations take proper account of, uh, of the benefits and the costs of those regulations. The economic impact, uh, right. If the cost of those regulations exceed the benefits, then there's
1: a problem. But if you have a few companies out there, like RJR and Altria, and even some of the bigger electronic cigarette companies, Mystic and so forth, that can't afford those regulations,
2: does that... They may be fine with it, but the OMB process is a very democratic one. The lawyer... For Altria, the highly paid lawyer with the fancy suit, Mm -hmm. highly trained, knows everything, gets to have a meeting with OMB. Every listener of yours has an equal right not only to have that meeting, but to have the OMB listen. Mm -hmm. If they can't go in and listen, if they can't go in and and speak to OMB, they can write a letter. It doesn't need to be a long letter. It doesn't need to be a lawyerly written letter. It doesn't... You could be, in your own view, a nobody. You can be poorly educated. But if you present an argument to the FDA, from your own experience, to OMB, of why the deeming regulation, which is not yet, so how can we comment on it? And that's what I complained about, by the way, when I met with OMB. (laughs) I'm here. I'm glad you're listening. I'm here to share concerns with you about the deeming regulation. The problem is there is no deeming regulation. There's a proposed deeming regulation. So how is it possible for me to express concerns about the proposed deeming regulation if I don't know what's in it. Haven't read the regulation yet. Uh So that's why I think the OMB will have more uh, meetings and have an open comment period, at the very least, uh, because how can we criticize the regulation if we don't know what the regulation is? The proposed regulation was simply a proposed regulation. So if that process has started, that tells us that we're getting closer. But I I haven't I haven't seen anything posted yet.
1: It's great that you put that out there, because I think that a lot of vapors uh, consumers themselves don't understand their rights and how impactful we can be uh, when it comes to the government. Uh, Unfortunately, and you call it
2: and you call it a right. Let me just say, as an advocate for harm reduction, I call it an obligation.
1: Brilliantly said However as an industry We have focused our times On cloud competitions And vape models and, and our businesses themselves Are not doing a good job Of educating their customers And their 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 consumers That they can really Really help in this And I think that really Needs to change And it needs to change quickly And that's time for Well for, it's, for, for, it's, for, it's
2: up to them If they want to let The Altria lawyers Educate OMB They can do that Because yeah. they, they'll do that They're being paid to do that but if there's someone that's going to offer the vape shop perspective, don't count on the ultra lawyer to do that. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, uh one more question. I'm going to let you go. I I've kept you way too long, Jeff, but I, do you think that if we if we drag this on a little bit more. We've got elections coming up. Do you think that the elections will have an impact on on the deeming regulations with with a with a change of of uh, of, of course uh, the Potus and and of course whatever staff he's going to appoint.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, who knows what Donald Trump's FDA tobacco <laughs> regulator is going to look like. But Are you on the Trump train? You threw, me, you threw me a softball. But no, but seriously, yes, it's a very important question. And the clock, the clock is already ticking on yeah. the next administration. And obviously we don't know who's going to be there. And obviously they're going, I don't expect Mitch Zeller to be there forever. Right. Right. If, if if Hillary Clinton is elected president, maybe she'll decide to keep him. Who knows? Right. Uh, but yes, obviously, whatever happens in the election, there's going to be a new uh, a new president, uh, whether there's going to be a new FDA, whether there's going to be a new version of Mitch Zeller, we don't know yet. But yes, if there is a new tobacco regulator, uh, this all gets thrown into question. Um, and, and you might be saying, oh, it's just, you know, I'm being too optimistic that the deeming regulations won't be enforced. Uh, but turning the clock back to before this FDA tobacco regulation was ever passed. As I mentioned earlier, there was a big debate. What do you do with menthol cigarettes, right? Not talking about e-cigarettes, not talking about harm reduction. What do we do with menthol cigarettes? They're a real problem. People are smoking because of the menthol. And Congress actually almost wrote a ban on menthol into the legislation. And lots of people opposed it. Laurelard being one of them, but also... African-Americans were, who, who tend to smoke menthol cigarettes mm-hmm. uh, more than the rest of the population, many of them said, why are you treating our cigarettes differently than, the way, than everyone else's cigarettes? So Congress eventually, in order to get this bill passed, it, it actually missed one or two sessions. It actually got delayed over and over again. And for years, this was punted back and forth. They came up with a, a pretty uh, convenient fix. Instead of actually deciding whether or not to ban menthol cigarettes, Congress decided, you know what, let's leave this hard decision to the FDA. And the FDA is going to have to come up with a tobacco product scientific advisory committee. And if the FDA, after listening to the advisors, decides to ban menthol, they have the, the authority to ban menthol. Remember, the FDA can't do anything unless Congress gives them that authority. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Congress says you must do something, like you must ban flavored cigarettes so you can no longer sell strawberry-flavored combustible tobacco products anymore, at least not cigarettes. Well, that Congress said you must do. There are other things that Congress said you may do. You may ban menthol cigarettes. And they did their tobacco product scientific advisory committee. That committee said, well, menthol cigarettes are harmful. Maybe they're more harmful because they get people to smoke more and they lead to youth initiation, all this stuff. And the scientific advisory committee said, yeah, menthol cigarettes are a problem. We don't know really whether banning them is the right thing to do. That's a policy decision that the FDA has to make. You know what happened those, I don't know, four years ago? Nothing. Nothing, <laughs> nothing has happened Absolutely since then. Absolutely nothing. You're right. The FDA has not made policy. Right. So a long time can go by, right. even though the FDA has the regulatory authority. And this administration, you would think it would be a no-brainer, just ban menthol cigarettes. If, if, if you're so anti-tobacco, sure. well, obviously there are problems with that and the, the black market and sure. all the unintended consequences, so it's a complicated decision. Well, I think e-cigarettes are a lot more complicated than menthol cigarettes. Sir. So there is a possibility that even with the deeming regulations, when the, when the next election comes around and there's a new sheriff in town, uh, maybe things will be different, which is why I think so many people talk about, you know, what's going to happen? What, what are the deeming regulations going to say? If they're good, we win. If they're bad, we lose. No.
1: No, that's, that's right. This,
2: this deeming regulation up until now, it's all been preseason. I'll leave you with this note. Once the deeming regulation comes out, that's when you have to get activated. That's when you have to be educated and get engaged because that's when the real fight begins.
1: I I am so with you on this subject because I see – the problem that we have with individual states right now, if the FDA would come out with a stance, then I think it would slow down the action that's going on in the states now. States trying to regulate not only the product, but they're trying to regulate the manufacturing of it, the labeling of it. I mean, they have no no clue. They have no position. They shouldn't do any of that except an 18-plus ban and a top proof cap, in my opinion. But I'm so with you on this that we at least give us a rule. That way we can go to the states and say, hey, listen— we're trying to do this on a federal level. Stop whatever you're trying to do over here, making huge mistakes and detrimental to the public health of your state. Last thing, Jeff, I promise you, this is the last question. What can my audience, what can every vapor do out there right now? I mean, I know we have open comments on these, on these um, dockets that have been dropped by the FDA. We can submit our comments. What, what is your advice for the people that are passionate? You know, and there's a lot of passionate vapors out there. What can they do right now while we're awaiting the naming regulations?
2: Well, as an advocate of free markets, I'm so glad that I have some some allies that are that are passionate. Uh, I think you've got to be passionate in a productive way. Mm-hmm. Be passionate in a positive way. Uh, educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've seen so many vapors come out and testify and do a good job, mm-hmm. and, and they don't get enough attention. Uh, so I think there are some good role models out there, uh, and I think I think engage in a positive, productive way. I don't think it helps to. Uh, post nasty comments on Steve Colbert's page, uh, but I think it helps to tell the story because you know if you tell, us, if you tell your story, uh, you know, maybe someone will listen. Maybe if you if you know we keep telling it often enough of how of of how you're an adult sm- adult smoker who or a former adult smoker who now uses that strawberry flavored e cigarette that the government wants to ban. Uh, I think that will eventually do some good. We've got, we got to stick with it. You know, the FDA and the CDC, if you post those comments to their website, they may take them down. Sure. But I don't think Steve Colbert will take them down. Sure. So you know, keep engaging everywhere you can in a positive, productive, respectful, educated way.
1: Jeff, you're brilliant. Uh, always such a great pleasure uh, talking with you. Uh, I always learn something new every time that I talk to you, and I certainly appreciate that as an advocate.
2: Well, likewise. So, thank you,
1: Jeff A. Steyer, S T I E R, on Twitter. Follow him, Jeff. Thank you so much. Say hello to BB for me. Thank too. you. All right, have a great taking evening. him to the park right now. All right, have fun. Bye bye. There he goes, everybody. Mr. Jeff Steyer. Let me play this real quick, and I'll be right back.
2: This is the one and only Glitzy Flitzy, and you are listening to the Greek god of sexiness, Dimitri. Hey, folks, P. Bisardo, the Greek lover is in the house. You're listening to Dimitri on Smoke Free Radio.
1: All right, and we're back. M. What do you think about jeff steyer is he great or what um unmute jeff is amazing isn't he i always look forward <laughs> to going to some of these events and just spending some time yes, with him because he always has just you know this is a guy that does not vape i don't know if a lot of people know that uh he does not use the product uh he's just a believer in tobacco harm reduction the way that he's uh he's helped the industry and he has helped uh, tobacco harm reduction movement via the use of electronic cigarettes, and he's a big opponent, a proponent of snus, which is obvious. If you believe in tobacco harm reduction, <coughs> why not? uh Why not do that? I think I lost you. Are you there? I'm here. Okay, okay. I see. It's a little bad, bad connection. But you know what he said there at the end. You know, I, 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 I always used to share like, go comment here. And the last time I did that for a CDC, no, it wasn't the CDC. It was the uh, the FDA Tobacco Center for Kids. I mm-hmm. did that on my wall, and I said, "Please go comment politely." And the first person that commented, you know, from from my linkage to it. Uh, fuck the CDC. (laughs) That was his response. So I stopped doing that. I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't really, maybe I shouldn't really put that out there for people to go. But what he (laughs) said, isn't it wonderful? Uh, But um, uh, seriously, I mean, what he said is extremely important. You have to educate yourself in order to be able to educate others. So we have to be aware. I was watching the Indiana, again, I'm bringing up the Indiana thing because I'm just disgusted with that state. There's a new group that got formed. We have the Indiana Hoosier Vapors Club that's there that's being led by Eben. And then there's another group that has been formed there. I, I forget the name now, but Indie uh, SIGS is part of it. And they were there with another company that manufactures e-liquid and their attorney. And one of the legislators there in Indiana was asking this guy that's manufacturing e-liquid questions. And, uh, and the guy got really defensive with him, which I, I don't like. You shouldn't be doing that with politicians. You should not be embarrassing politicians in a no. public setting, okay? Nope. California, prime example. Just stop doing that. But he asked him, he's like, what kind of flavors do you have? And he says, we have various flavors and all that. And then the guy says, do you have any candy flavors? And, you know, listen, I mean, you have to be prepared for a question like that, right? Yeah. His response is, oh, yeah, we have a lemon pop sucker and then this rocket pop. And I'm like... Oh my God! Why would you bring those examples up? <laughs> and then, I mean, why would you bring? I mean, say yes, we have a strawberry. Yes, we have a candy flavor. That's, Caramel apple. Ca- anything, anything. Why would you say sucker? Why would you even use that word when these guys are attacking you on the kids' issue? Is beyond, And this is these are the guys that are going testifying at oh hearings. My God. Uh, and then the lady from the from the American Cancer Society came up and just fucking just reamed them. I mean, reamed them um you know i mean listen i get it some of this is dog and pony and 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 you know they're putting on a show and they're saying oh we really care and we're doing these hearings to learn more about the product obviously they're not okay no but at least at least from our side be ready to answer these questions professionally and don't don't uh, uh, don't, don't, don't 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 kill us um (laughs) <laughs> All right, so I've got some ranting to do. Uh, I got a few a few topics that I want to talk about. I'm going to start with your blog. I read I read your blog, kind of giving us a uh, you know your your uh, your last couple of months of traveling and, and moving here to the, to the United States. And uh-huh. um, I'm going to start off with the issue. The issue okay. that you have is that, which is an issue that I've had lately. We've talked about it in private many times. Mm-hmm. Is the issue that you have is that when, ad, when a, advocates are going after advocates yeah. simply because there is a difference of opinion or because their issue might be more important than somebody else's issue. Expand yeah. a little bit on that.
0: It's not so much about a difference of opinion. Um, one of the first things that I did when I got back to Montana, I, well, it might have even been in New York, um, I looked on a Facebook group. God knows we're like members of probably a hundred different secret ones. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that I saw was basically just somebody else telling somebody that their issue, whatever it was, I don't know if it was like a product label or I know somebody talked about a gun being in a picture of like some e-liquids, whatever it was. It was just somebody saying, well, that's not a big deal because we have all this legislation and we have this, that, and the other thing. The problem that I'm having with it is that we have these advocates that are, they're not like you and Phil and the Stephan Dax of the world and Greg Conley's. They're not up there in front of these politicians and these legislators. They're people like me who are just kind of sitting at home and like looking at a Facebook group and going, oh, God, that's wrong. Yeah. Some, you know, something's not right with that. Right. And so we tell our friends who are most of us are other advocates. Mm-hmm. And a lot of us are like, yeah, you know what? We don't agree with that either. Product labels, guns, and pictures with e liquids—you know—trademark infringement, copyright infringement, and then you have somebody else come along and say, "Oh, well, you know what? That's not really that big of a deal because we've got this bill over here on Capitol Hill that we need to fight." So your issue with this is completely irrelevant because you need to go help us. (laughs) But it is—but see, the problem that I'm having with it—it's an issue that us smaller advocates, the ones that aren't up here fighting the legislation in front of all these politicians. Mm It's little stuff like that that we can focus on that we can change because we've seen over the last year companies have completely rebranded sure. to to get rid of the you know the kitty appealing images and the flavor names. So why is it that there's like I don't know maybe four or five people that have funding and have the visual and the vocal um, presence in our community think it's okay to come in and tell me or tell somebody sitting next to me that our our issue is just—it's fucking stupid. Well,
1: it's because they're getting funding from the same companies. <clears throat> I mean, that's it's, that's the only thing that I can think of. I mean, it just makes you look—it makes you look like shit, to be honest with you, if you yeah. do that. Because especially if, uh, a, a, you know, a long time ago, uh, maybe eight months ago, you were completely against uh, a, a topic like that, and now all of a sudden it does not become an issue. To yeah. me, to me, and uh, as far as the federal regulations concerned and state legislations, that's the number one topic. Yeah, I think the youth appeal. Is, is the no, one, number, number one topic. And this is, uh, I mentioned in the promo of the show that we're handing the industry over to Big Tobacco, and I want to expand on this. And this goes directly to, to this topic of the child-friendly labels, but the other topics as well, too, the way we handle ourselves, the way we put our products out there, you mm-hmm. know, the manufacturing practices and all that. I have noticed, and this came to me, by the way, at a time when I was vooping, which is when, when all my, <laughs> my, my really deep thoughts come out. But I was sitting there I vooping. still haven't done that <laughs> yet, you know. Really? Oh, you should try. It's like one hand has the mod, the other one has the phone, and it's like all of a sudden, here you go. Nice. Somebody says my mic is down. Hold on.
0: I'm getting some feedback.
1: Okay. That should be better. All right. So what I thought about was is I see some of these big tobacco companies that are taking this stance, right? They're... They're not advancing their products. They're not trying to compete with the market. They're not trying to keep up with innovation. We're seeing some big electronic cigarette companies. I don't have to name them, but you see them kind of supporting what the vaping industry is doing. And we think to ourselves, "Oh, look, we got some help. We got some help by these tobacco companies. We got some help because we do. We do on a leg. I mean, I've had help from a tobacco company on a legislative issue. We. Um, why are we getting this help? And I'm. It just came to me all of a sudden, Meg. I might be crazy, all right? I'm known to to have stupid ideas. Maybe they are encouraging this behavior because this is exactly what we're handing over to the government and the government's going to say well I am going to fuck you guys because of what you're doing and then we're going to hand over the industry to these companies that don't really care the stringent the more restrictive the harder the most expensive regulations benefit these big companies yep. yet be big tobacco companies get be electronic cigarette companies that are huge large in the marketplace I have a huge share of the marketplace so to them it's a way of saying listen we don't have to compete with you guys we're going to let you guys shoot your own foot and yep. then we're going to take over the industry because the regulations are going to be so restrictive that you simply can't comply exactly I don't it know maybe I mean, that's very deep conspiracy thinking there but it could be possibly be uh, a part of the, the the plan that they have hey why should we spend money to start putting out new tanks and new lines and developing all this uh-huh. Let's just let the legislation take care of them, and we're going to continue to sell our products, yet it be a uh, combustible, tobacco, or, or or a vapor product. Yeah. Uh, another issue that has come up this 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 past uh, this past week is uh, sponsor a sponsor smoker. That's a good thing.
0: Yes, right? that is a very
1: good thing. And uh, and this is a movement started by JT of Vape Stars and Jonathan Denver, mm-hmm. uh, both good friends of mine. And uh, and it all kind of triggered off a post that I made on Facebook because I was seeing I was seeing all these posts on Instagram of I'm sponsored by this and I'm sponsored by that and vape mo- when is th- what is a what is a vape model make do we know is it a uh, $100,000 is it, $100, is, it, is, it a, <laughs> is it a viable position Seriously? I mean I'm I'm trying to figure out maybe I should look into it
0: uh, Yeah you might
1: <laughs> mo- I mean you so- and Phil <laughs> You guys can have like a tag team <laughs> modeling contract. Go. The Bareback Vape Modeling Agency. What are we going to call it? Open oh, on there. So, yes. So, yes. <laughs> so I, I kept seeing all these. I'm sponsored by this. I'm sponsored by that. And I'm like, how about sponsoring when you're friends, when you're family? And I made a post on that on Facebook. And it's really nice to see an idea and somebody just grab it and run with it. And I fully yeah. support these guys. So so I remember what,
0: when you made that post, and it kind of, it's, it's tumbled from yeah. Facebook to Instagram to Twitter, and it's expanded over the last, what, I think it was like, what, three, four, five months?
1: Yeah, 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 it it's has, great. it really has, it's fantastic, and this, that's usually, these grassroots movements are usually what really kicks in, right? it really does, mm-hmm. uh, the, so let's talk a little bit about Sponsor a Smoker, if you want to, go ahead.
0: Um, well, I didn't even realize that you could sign up for anything, because I was kind of Removed from the whole vape scene while I was doing this move from the UK back here over the last month. And so the other day I went onto the Facebook page and I had seen a post that they'd made. And I was like, oh, look, I'm going to click the sign up link. And apparently, if you're a vapor, you can sign up to help mentor another smoker that's local to your area. So I'm here in Billings. Mm-hmm. And I'm signed up as a vapor, and that I want to help somebody. And I guess what would happen is if somebody's a smoker, they sign up for the site, and we kind of get matched up together. I'm not exactly sure about any of the the details. I'm not sure if they if like sponsor smoker is going to be sending out
1: yeah. They, send out, they send out a kit, and but and they that's want awesome. They send out the kit, but they want somebody to be there, which I think is brilliant because I I remember when I was doing the vape team episode,
2: mm-hmm. uh, the
1: vape team show, and we. We were the first ones to start doing where people pick up the phone and call if they were a smoker, and we try to hook them up with a kit, and we had all these kits available, and I thought it was a good idea at the time, but then I thought to myself, you know, this guy is going to get, you know, at the time we had Eagle batteries and a tank and juice, and what happens afterwards, you know? What, 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 what do you, does he quit smoking? How, what if he needs support? Yeah. What if he needs how to fill it? What if there's no contact? What if he pushes down the 510 pin? What if he doesn't know how to click it five times on and off? Which is, you know. Yeah, and they're not on
0: like forums. Right. They're not in the Facebook groups. They're going to need somebody that they can call.
1: Right, right, right. So I think that this idea of pairing people up, And I have seen it through my my experience, even this past summer with my brother-in-law. I've tried to help him quit smoking all these years. And I have to uh, proudly announce that he's still vaping. Uh, He loves Red Drop from Mountain Oak Vapors, just like a, a raspberry limeade. Um, and it's very, very uh, potent. So I think a lot of smokers like that. You know, like That's why I have cinnamon vapes, I think, help a lot of people to quit smoking because it's so strong, right? right, and they can taste it. So, But when I spent time with him this summer and I got him the right device and I got him the right tank and I got him the right juice, he sat down and he was able to understand it, and it's working for him. And now it's four months, five months that he hasn't, you know, two-pack-a-day Rothmans, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, two-packs-a-day Rothmans for the last 25 years, and now he's that smoking. So I think it's a brilliant idea. Sponsor of smokers is a great thing. Uh, yep. One of the things that I was a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit pissed about is that people kind of took it, and some companies took it, and they're trying to use it for marketing and all that. Mm. You have to support the cause, right? You can yep. say, "Yeah, oh, come down to my store, and I'll give you," you know, uh, it's fine, but support these guys. They're doing a volunteer effort; they're not making any money of it. Go in there and buy a T-shirt. I bought a T-shirt this past week to support them. All the money goes to help them ship out these kits. They've had a lot of support from companies giving them kits and liquid. Uh, Which is great But we have to gear We have to be concentrated into one effort So if you have a store If you're a vapor and you want to help somebody Send them to the site Send them to sponsor the smoker And then let them from there Plus it gives us data you know yeah, something it does. that we're missing. We're missing a lot of data. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to take this data and pu- peer review, publish it. I don't think we can, but at least we have some data. Hey, what did we do this year? We had 1,000 people kits out of those 1,000, you know, 500 full-time vapors. You know, 100 of them are dual-use. Hey, that's 60% tobacco harm reduction. That is by far, by 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 magnitudes far, better than any available NRT method that's on the, on the market right now.
0: Yeah. The thing that I like, too, is that they've been posting um, pictures of the maps to sh- show where there's vapors and where there's smokers Mm -hmm. and i was i was kind of hoping that there was going to be somebody else in montana that could be like oh dude there's another vapor here that's going to help me but no i'm the only one that signed up for montana so if anybody else is out there you guys need to go see sponsor smoker on facebook click the little sign up link and get on it
1: yes and hashtag it use it in your instagram use it in your twitter let's get try to get it trending and by the way i have to make an announcement because you are my friend and i value you very very much uh, you're looking for work because you're yes, back here in the states. So if you're if you're a vape company out there that needs web work, blog work, anything that you need, product descriptions, product descriptions, management, vape models, she'll take booby <laughs> shots with your product. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, vape me stupid. S T O O P I D dot co is her website. Go over there, send her an email, and give her some work. Um, yes. We need to get you uh, back into the employment uh, here in the United States. It feels good to be back. Uh, so, uh, I know you, you got your dad now vaping again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, my dad started dual fueling on the trip out here. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God, let me tell you, I haven't been around smokers in so long that I was in the car for 31 hours with three smokers. Oh, and by the time we got here, my eyes were red raw. Mm-hmm. I could barely breathe. My, I was losing my voice. So my dad is dual fueling now, my aunt is dual fueling, and my friend Jess, um, who helped me get back from the UK to here, mm-hmm. um, she's actually she's fully stopped smoking. I think she's on day five or six now.
1: Fantastic, that's great.
0: So, And I ran out of kits now. I have nothing left to give anybody.
1: Thomas, Thomas said, how can we make the sponsor of Smoker Action known so that smokers will be aware of it? This is something, Thomas, that takes time to build up. Yep. You have a smoker, you send him to the site. They match up with a vapor. It works for them. Then guess what? They're going to tell another smoker. And they're going to tell another smoker. They're going to tell a family friend. It doesn't happen overnight. It's something that we have to build up. But we have to direct everybody there is what yeah. I'm trying to tell to the community and to the vapors and even Share the vendors. Share on
0: Facebook pages, on Twitter.
1: Yes. Direct everybody there. And then slowly this beast will explode. In fact, Sally Sattel made that uh, that article in Forbes the other day. Uh, which was you – know, she's done some really good pieces on, on electronic cigarettes. But she did mention inside – I don't think she knows about the movement. But she did mention inside like a support group trying to get people to, to, to switch from combustible tobacco to tobacco harm reduction. I mean this is something that's real, right? And look, yep. think to yourselves, guys, because we've become a very, very selfish community. Um, think to yourselves how you started. You know, most likely you had somebody that was a friend that told you, "Hey, give this thing a try. I'll help you. I'll give you this. I'll, I'll. I'll you know, you have a problem. That's how most of us started. Let's not forget that since simply because the last year we've been blowing clouds um, <laughs> right up at people. By the way, Phil called me today.
0: Today, how's he doing? I missed him. He
1: is. Uh, he he was down. He was very depressed. Oh, and uh, and. I mean, you know, me and Phil are really good friends, which I think it kind of gets lost in the bromance and the, and the shtick, the online shtick. But yeah. he was really depressed. And, you know, I've stopped doing reviews, and I've said why. Um, but he said, I'm looking at my desk uh, on product to review, and it's not fun anymore. There is nothing there that, that I, I, you know, I want to pick up and say, hey, I'm going to do a video on. Simply because everything that's coming in is catered to the advanced user. Yeah, this is a guy that has over 100,000 subscriptions on YouTube He's one of the most popular faces that really wants to help people quit smoking. And there's no tools. (laughs) There's nothing that they're sending him that is geared towards the ultimate goal. My YouTube, I started my YouTube to help people. I didn't start my YouTube to become a job for me or a profession for me or make money at it. Um, and and I don't have the tools. It's it's unfair for me to, to to do videos. And obviously, I don't have the subscription base of of Phil. But even my thirty forty thousand subscribers, I can't sit there and do sub-home videos. It's not my thing. Even though I possibly could do and go to the one hundred thousands, because that's what everybody's doing. But I just can't. I can't find it in me to do it. And and he when when you have somebody like Phil that has seen so much product in his life, call me being depressed. I. F- I I'm disappointed. I'm tired. I'm exhausted with where what we have become. Em. I'm I'm tired of it.
0: I completely agree with you. I went into one of the vape shops here in town, and the first thing I said to him is, "What's your highest milligram nicotine?" And he went six. Oh my god! And I looked at him. I said, "Are you serious?" Yeah. And he goes, "Well, yeah, that's for our Cloud Chasers range." And I'm like, "So what about your new users? Do you cater to new users at all?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, we have our house our house brand." And so, you know, they've got plenty of house flavors, but you would yeah. think that coming in, obviously my friend's yeah. not holding a mod in her hand, that he would say, oh, we've got, you know, from zero all the way up to 24. Right. But no, it was six. He immediately wanted to push on to that, to the cloud chasing. And I think two of his friends were there and they were kind of like, you know, they were chucking clouds, chucking clouds, trying to look all tough and <laughs> their coolness. And I'm like, oh, I've were been-
1: you like all fanboying over him? Were you oh, like, oh, no. That-
0: I'm like, dude, I've been doing this for four years. I know what I'm doing. And I actually outclouded them because I wasn't going to have that shit. But anyways, it, it annoys me when I walk in. I hate going into a bricks and mortar shop, especially when I ask a question as simple as that. And the first thing that they come out with isn't even a nicotine content that is going to help a smoker transition easily from smoking to vaping. I'm so sick of the six Me and too. three milligrams being what's being pushed it's, on these. It's
1: means. OK to have it for advanced users, but you have to I mean, we still have 24 milligrams, believe it or not. people think we're nuts. Good. Uh, I saw a question from Jim that said um, yeah, that it's partially the reviewer's fault, even feel has gotten away from doing reviews of stuff for new vapors. Jim, I disagree. And look back at some of my videos from last year when I'd get a starter kit from China. And I would do videos when everybody else was doing, you know, the MVP or some some other, you know, advanced user device. I was doing a video for, a, you know, a Eagle-style battery with a tank. And I said, I even saying in my videos, I was like, I love getting starter kits to review so I can recommend them to smokers. How can you do a review when me personally, uh, Jim, me personally, the last year, I have not had one starter kit come?
0: Not one. I've had one. I've had one. And I think I've had a lot of product been, that was sent to me before I left the UK and I haven't had time to review it since the move. But some of them, it's the same old shit. It's the same e liquids, it's the same flavors, it's the same ratios. Nothing has jumped out at me either nothing. in the last
1: four months. But nothing has really come to mouth to lung. It really hasn't. Even starter kits mm. are coming with sub ohm tanks now inside. It's not that, trust me, it's not that Field does not want to do them, but you have to have A, a product, and B, a product that works, You know something that's, that's worth of doing a review. Something that you truly believe that can help people quit smoking, and the product is not there. The iFree Twenty is the perfect example. Eric's in the chat here, and he'll 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 tell you that I contacted Star Max. Star is the name of the company. Emma Yang is the is the owner, uh, or maybe one of the top girls in there. And I've met her in Shenzhen. And I contacted her and I said, "The iFree Twenty is fantastic. It's a great tank. Why isn't it on the market?" And he says, "No, you need to do a video for the Star Pro, which is their sub ohm tank." And I said. Fuck no! I'm not doing a video for the Star pro. <laughs> I want the i320. He says nobody in the U.S. wants it. Everybody in the U.S. wants subhome. They want clouds.
0: That's not true. This though. is a
1: Chinese manufacturer saying this to me. And I, how hard. I made a post on Facebook. I gave him publicity. Now we finally got the i320 going. We ordered a thousand of them the other day to bring this tank because it's a great mouth to lung tank. And you can actually open it up if you want a lung inhale later on, too. It's got dual airflow options. But it's one of the best mouth to lung tanks. And I can't get it into the United States. So how is it the reviewers' fault, Jim? I mean, I, I'm not trying. I'm, I'm not trying to argue. I'm telling you this is real because I live it. I'm, I, I'm a reviewer. This is what I do. I mean, I, I I don't get any product. Nobody's contacted me with a new device that's going to help smokers quit. Period. By the yeah. way, the sub, uh, Subox uh, Nano kits—they uh, redesigned the 1.5 ohm coil head for the uh, for the um, tanks, and it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty is good. it? It's pretty good. Ooh. it's pretty good. That I I, I think yeah. that that. Uh, uh, the the netbox, it needs some work, uh, John, but it's, it's not finalized yet. But the subbox nano, the, the small one, which I think is a nice size. I gave one to Connie. She likes it. Uh, the small nano tank that comes with it, it has a 1.5-ohm coil head, and it's been redesigned, and it works, and it works pretty well. Uh, mm. But, again, you know, is it fantastic? No. I think that the iFree20 tank is better. So what I'm doing is I'm bringing them here, and I'm matching them up with iSticks or um, uh, ESPs, little devices that have the Ego adapter in them. Cause it's an eco threaded tank, and I'm matching them up. and I'm gonna make starter kits like that with a little small box, 20 30 watt box device, and the i320 with some coils to make if a starter a spare. kit available for smokes. Yeah, yeah, a you you spare, to. Shoot me one. Yeah, or, because I
0: haven't seen them yet. I know you talked about them before. I will, but I haven't seen them As
1: soon as they come in, everybody that I've given, I, I got a batch in uh, with the with the. I had to request them because they were sending me the the sub ohm tank, and I got mm-hmm. a batch in. I give them to Eric. I give them, I give them to a few people to try out. Even Kevin Skipper down in Florida, and uh, and they all loved them. Uh, But, yeah, I agree with Damien. Steel, the Nautilus is what I suggest always. That's still what my wife uses, believe it or not. (laughs) Uh, All right, let's move along. Uh, uh, Lastly, I want to talk a little bit about um, this new group that's been formed. Uh, This new group is called the Vapor Technology Alliance. Uh, You can Google it. You're not going to find a lot of stuff about it. We do have a website that has been registered. It's vaportechnology.org. Uh, but apparently, this group was formed by a couple of any, uh, a couple of former Sfada board members. So, a couple of people from the Sfada board quit, uh, resigned. I shouldn't say quit. I don't think mm-hmm. it's a paying position. It might be. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, including uh, Ron Tully, uh, which uh, th- he's not really affiliated with anybody. He is a tobacco guy, though. He does a consulting and stuff like that. And 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 National Tobacco, which was one of the biggest clients of SFADA, uh, clients or members, I should say, they're not really clients, and they formed their own group. Uh, And I was a little bit disturbed by that group kind of forming at a critical time with the deeming regulations right around the corner. Because this is the last thing that we need, Em. Here comes another association. Another group. Another group. In, 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 a, in a trying time where uh, where vendors and businesses and consumers are so confused of where to put their money and what is going on and who is the agenda and who is leading everything. What's the ulterior motives? Here we have another group that comes out and, uh, and, and, and unfortunately has some really strong uh, big tobacco ties that... Even though it's called Vapor Technology Association, I don't think it necessarily represents the interests of the electronic cigarette industry. Uh, and on top of that, uh, the sfata group fired the lobbyist. You know, we remember when we went to D.C. with the Tennessee Smoke Free Association. The lobby group that SFADA, uh had you know, hired all this time is the one that toured us around D.C. And uh, we, um, we, we created a really good re- relationship with them, and, uh, and they were very, very accommodating to us. In fact, I think for our members here in the Tennessee Smoke Free Association, being part of SFADA, uh that was the, Oop, am I still here? I'm here. Okay.
0: Sorry, my connection's being a little shitty tonight.
1: Okay. That's why I just make sure I'm still alive. Okay. Hold on a second. I think it died. All right. Can anybody confirm that I'm back?
0: I can hear you now. I think we're both uh losing each other.
1: I can hear you. Just pump up your volume a little bit. I can hear you. Okay, <laughs> can you hear me now?
0: Up all the way. Yeah, I can hear you good.
1: Okay. So, uh, refresh. I don't know what happened there. So, um, where was I? What was the last thing you heard?
0: <laughs> uh, we were talking about this uh, VaporTechnology.org yes, and yes, the yes. potential that they have big tobacco
1: ties. Right. They have some big, to, big, uh, big tobacco ties. And, and I'm, I'm worried that this group is going to gain a lot of traction, especially with what's going on in SFADA. SFADA has fired the, f- the federal lobbyists that they had in D.C. And this is the group that when we went to Washington, D.C., remember with the Tennessee Smoke Free Association? We met with this group, which is the lobbying firm from Swara. They're the ones that took us around the Capitol and took us to, you know, to speak to our representatives. And we were very happy with this group. Um, and apparently, they got fired. And how I know that because I emailed Ashley, one of the girls in this group, the, the head lobbyist, and she told me that they were fired by SFADA. So I was a little bit, I was a little bit disappointed because nobody from Swara told us that and we're members as Tennessee smoke Affairs association that we don't have a federal lobbying representing us right now at a critical time with all these deeming regulations come out. I don't
2: know.
1: So I was, I was, uh, I was a little bit disturbed by that. So hopefully whatever happens, uh, and, and with Sfada, I think they're going to have to restructure a board. I think they're going to have to rehire a lobbyist, but I think it's, uh, it's clearly that there is some issues going on there. And, uh, and and uh, I'm thinking about the, the the state associations too that are associated with them and how they're handling it. And uh, because there is an entire structure that has been built, the federal helping down the states with their their, their local lobbyists, and vice versa, the local chapters helping the federal with the federal lobbyists. But right now, everything's up in limbo. My biggest concern, though, again, Em, is having a group that's been formed by some big tobacco associations forming a vapor technology association. Um, uh, forming a vapor uh, trade association that represents vapor companies apparently uh, gains steam and gain even people that might have been associated with Svarta or people that were, were members for Svarta leave and go to that group and then that group gains momentum and gains steam and then all of a sudden we don't know who is leading who so it's uh, it's uh, it's a, it's a difficult trying time. We, you did some little research on this this uh, this vapor technology group, but you weren't able to find much.
0: No when you google it, it doesn't come up with anything, but if you can you can check who the website is uh, registered to, and it comes up to this guy named Tony Abood mm-hmm. who is a lawyer in Illinois and he runs a website called strategicgov dot com yeah. and he's got a pretty extensive uh career history as a lawyer mm-hmm. and doing lobbyist work and then they've got on their website they have a services list
1: yeah.
0: and they do legislative lobbying, executive lobbying. Mm-hmm. They deal in tax credits, uh, crisis management, manufacturing. And then there's vapor products and e-cigarettes under their industries.
1: They hired, uh, this new group hired, the lobby group that Svada had hired. Nice. And I confirmed that today because I emailed Ashley. and She sent back an email to me. She says, yes, we were fired by Svada and we're working with this new group. And to call her if I had any more. And I, I might call her in the next couple of days to figure out what's going on because I don't know what's going on. All I know right now is that Swala does not have a federal lobby group.
0: Yeah. Which is not good. No, it's not good at
1: all. It's <laughs> not good at all. Especially <laughs> we're trying to pass the HR twenty fifty eight. Uh, you know, we're trying to gain some momentum within the Congress. We're trying to, you know, uh, deal with these dockets that are dropping left and right. So we'll see what's going to happen with that. Anyway, um, what else? What did I miss? I know I forgot something. Um, I don't know. You have your list. We covered everything. Looking, <laughs> I don't have the list in I'm front looking. of me. You're very, very. Uh, well, are you working at a porn shop, by the way? I just, somebody just. No,
0: you know what? I applied at a
1: porn <laughs> shop because Did my. You? Aunt,
0: yeah, of course.
1: My aunt's the assistant manager there. Can I get a discount? Of course. Give me a coupon code. It's like
0: almost a 50% discount. <laughs> Do
1: you know how much stuff I would own? Oh, I don't know what you're going to own, but I'm 44 years old. I don't think I can handle much of that, <laughs> that stuff that's, that's going on uh by the way i don't know if you've checked my facebook feed i mean story after story state by state state by state restrictions bans um uh, just the other day down in florida talk about florida it's big mess down there with uh, with the fsfa and what's going on down there again two groups you know what you know what the problem is i said we don't listen to each other em. i think that's a problem we yeah. don't listen to each other even people that are fighting on the same side of the trenches we don't listen to each other I
0: still think it goes back to the whole ego thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody wants to be the top dog all the time, and they just need to get rid of that Yeah. And stand shoulder to shoulder because this is – I mean, it's getting ridiculous. Like I said with my blog earlier about the whole issues thing, it's just – it's its a bunch of cockfighting. I can't yeah. stand it. Yeah.
1: It's, it, I, I just don't feel like people want to work with each other. It's like we, we, we close our ears. We, we don't want to listen to the – because sometimes when you listen – you might hear something that you didn't think of or you know, and i do this all the time i talk to all these people even like jeff steyer people like him mm-hmm. you know i was so down and, and out when but when he talked to me about it, like hey we've done a lot of work man we have changed the ideology from some of these people like abrams that was so against electronic cigarettes and now is buying into the concept of tobacco harmony how can that not like, make you feel good like, it, it does you know and i don't know if you
0: noticed when he was talking i was trying to jump in real quick on that yeah. um I think part of the reason why we get so discouraged and disappointed is because this industry moves at lightning speed. Sure. It is just bang, bang, bang all the time. Go, go, go. And getting people to come to our side is a very slow process while the industry keeps merging and growing bigger and bigger. Sure. We want to match that and we can't. We just simply can't do it.
1: Sure. Well,
0: and but, I think that's where a lot of the discouragement and the disappointment comes from is like, ah. Oh.
1: But we're lacking transparency a lot, too that too Whether it's the manufacturing, whether it's the vapors, whether it's the advocacy—I uh, mean, just like I told you, Esfara, how was not I were aware that we didn't? I did not know until a few days ago.
0: I only knew that the they've got a new co-president for the the NorCal chapter. Yeah,
1: like, that's that's local, day. that's state, and we're yeah. talking about the federal group. Uh, this is the group that that two of the board members resigned, and. The federal group was fired. I mean, the lobbying group was fired, and I'm a member. I pay seventy five hundred dollars a year, and I didn't know about it. I mean, you mm-hmm. got to be transparent when it comes to those issues, you know.
0: And is there any other group right now that's got a federal lobbyist?
1: No. Well, uh, this vapor technology uh, uh, alliance group uh, apparently hired the one that Spada fired. Okay. Which again, I find out today because I sent an email to to uh, to David. Ash, uh, her name is Ashley Davis. Uh, she works with uh, the group that we went up there is West Front Strategies. That's the group that took us to D.C. and walked us around. I've met with her a couple of times uh, in D.C. in various meetings. And I was always very, very satisfied with the way that they, they, they worked. Yeah. So, I mean, the one thing that I found with my vendors here in Tennessee uh, this past year that was really satisfying with our affiliation with FADA was that, that lobby group. And now it's not there anymore. <laughs> It's not there anymore. So I'm uh, uh, Jim, who resigned. Uh, Ron Tully and uh, the, uh, another guy from V2. Um, I don't remember his name. But anyway, these two pulled away and formed their own group um, from from SWAT. I don't, I don't, I really don't know why. I wish I could expand and tell you why. I really don't know. But those are the facts. And, uh, and we have to have more transparency. We need to let people know what's going on. Whether it's local, whether it's city, whether it's state, whether it's federal, people should know what's going on. Yeah. When you take money, right, as an association, you need to tell your members what you're doing with that money. And uh, because a lot of the vapors don't see what you're doing with it. And if the vapors don't see what you're doing with it, they start the, oh, where is this money going? Down in Florida, I think they accused the guy that's leading the Florida Smoke-Free Association of buying a new car. Uh, when... <laughs> When, when the budget, when they have 25 members, I mean, how, how ridiculous. You're talking about the state of Florida has 25 members. <laughs> they barely can pay the lobbyists. I think they're behind on their lobby bill, like $15,000. And there are people are accusing them. About, I mean, this is how people think. But if you're transparent about it, say, hey, listen, this is the money we took in. This is where we spent it. This is what we're doing. Sit back. We've got this. But always explain what you're doing, right? Yeah. Always get always get out there and say, you know, what are you? What are you? I'm fighting for this cause. I'm fighting at a lobby level. I'm fighting in the state capital for you. This is where the money went. We spent this much to get decals. We spent this much on travel. We spent this much on the lobbyists. We spent this much on the PR. Boom. There you go. Why did you do this? I did this because of this reason. Which in my in in my case, I always con- consult with the vendors first and see what they want to do because they're the ones that paying the money. Exactly. So the ones that are giving you the money should be the ones that are guiding you because you're representing them for crying out loud. And now all of a sudden we don't have a federal lobbying re- representation. That, how fucked up is that? It's pretty fucked up. We're fucked. That's all I'm trying to say. So I had to get We're that in By the way, let me tell you briefly um, about my Paris trip. Uh, I did go there for work. So I didn't get to advocate as much as I wanted to. I worked very – it was a three-day event. It was very, very long from 9 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock in the evening, three days, and it was exhausting. I did get to see the Eiffel Tower and the Louvre, You know, and we did a couple of that thing, you know, whatever. Paris smells. Have you ever been there? Are you there? Did I lose you again? Yeah, I lost you again. Are you there? Did you lose me? Yeah. Okay, you're here. back. You're back. Yeah. Um, so Paris Paris smells. Like everywhere you go, there's a smell, there's a funk. I saw at least, I swear, I saw at least 10 people peeing in the street. I mean, that doesn't even happen in Greece, right? And we were having some really austerity measures. Like, and they weren't even hiding it.
0: I think that's like a European thing because people in the UK do that too.
1: Is it? <laughs> <laughs> it was like I really, really it's like blatant. For you to pull
0: off on the side of the road and your kid can get out and just pee all over the street, the sidewalk, whatever. It doesn't matter.
1: And there was a general rudeness. And I, I know that's more of a culture. I'm Greek, so it doesn't really bother me. You know, I mean, I've dealt with rude people in my life. But um, there was like a general rudeness uh, against Americans and the way that they talk to you and, they, you know, trying to accommodate you. Even the show itself, the first night we're there, uh, we set up the booth. They stole five of our ESP mods. No. So we had the ESP mods with the testers ready to go. It looked really good. I take a picture. We walk away and uh, and there somebody just went by and just swiped them. So sort of got. So I go to the organizers and I said, "Hey, somebody stole our ESP mods." And they're like, uh, well, that's your own fault. You should have uh, kept them, you know, you should have protected them or You should have kept them secure." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so did, like, the next day we paid for premium internet. So you have like a regular internet and then you pay for like a fast internet. So we paid for fast. internet. I'm trying to log in. It's not working. So I go to the organizers again. I said, hey, the internet is not working. And uh, she's like, well, we don't have anybody on staff to handle that. You need to call this number and deal with a technician. And I said, excuse me, I said, do you realize I, I don't speak French? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to call this technician and solve my issue when I don't speak French. I don't. There's nothing that I can do. About.
0: I so, think you and Phil just need to stay out of the northern part of <laughs> Europe because you have no luck oh in the UK God. or
1: <laughs> We're going to Russia. If this was happening in France and London, what's going to happen in Russia? We might end up in Siberia in some jail. You know, <laughs> no, they, it,
0: Russia's got Snowden over there. They've got that Chris Snowden guy. Russia's kind of cool to oh, America. Are, are they
1: cool? We're going to Moscow in December.
0: There
1: you go. That's awesome. So uh, let's let's hope that trip goes a little bit better. I had fun in Paris. I got to meet uh, some of the people that I've always looked forward to meeting. Uh, Dr. F was there. He did a presentation on this this uh, this study that he's doing with the Public Health England information. The Public Health England document is huge. Yeah, it's not exactly. just the report that you saw, right? So he took all the information as a scientist. You can download the extensive, um, the smaller I'm pieces. To say, too. I'm sorry. It's on my website, too. Okay. So, you know, he downloaded it, and he and he, want, and he 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 got all the information. And some of the information that he found in there was groundbreaking. So he made a presentation about it, and it showed uh, prevalence of smokers in France and in the EU as well and how they've declined the last couple of years. And within the Public Health England, from the survey that they did, I don't know how many thousands of people there were, and there were questions... Great questions. There weren't questions like the CDC, like, have you used an electronic cigarette in the past 30 days? And, oh, well, you know, kids are vaping, right? It wasn't those kind of questions. It was questions that actually show you that, you know, what, you know, did you try it? Did you follow up on it? What are you using? You know, it, they were really good questions. 30% quit rate. 30% quit rate uh, and 35% dual use. I mean, that's almost 70% tobacco harm reduction. That's a, that's a huge number. This is a groundbreaking number. So he's going to do a published study based on that information alone. To show that, hey, E6 help people to quit smoking. Now, that's a good thing. The bad thing is that nobody in the United States will take it seriously because apparently in America you have to have studies in America to Europeans to, have
0: different lungs. Fuck
1: Europeans. They don't they don't care. They don't they don't smoke and vape like we do. We have to have oh. America studies.
0: And you know the craziest thing is Europe probably has a, like dirtier city air than we do over here. <laughs> <It's true>. So <laughs> I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me at all.
1: It really doesn't. I mean, all all we can do, you know, you know, the only thing that we can do is this right here. This is the only thing we can do. Man, I got this. This is my house. My
2: house. My house. Call me. Call me CEO. I'm in charge. Cigarettes?
1: That's not. God. this is such a disgusting ad. I really can't believe that they did that, really. It's just so, so bad. But uh, anyway, I think we covered everything that we had to cover. Uh, again, once again, uh, Meg, it's nice to have you here in the States. I know. And now you're two hours behind me where before you were you were in the future. Now you're in the past. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How cool is that? My name's Marty McFly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, nice to have you on. I, I, uh, I appreciate all your work here for Smoke Free Radio. It's nice to have you here.
0: I'm glad I'm home. I'm glad I'm back. I really, really miss doing the show.
1: Good. Well, hopefully next week, what we're going to do next week, we're going to talk about this Wikipedia, which I've been meaning to do with Fergus. It's not that I forgot about you, but we haven't had a show in a couple weeks. But next week, I'm going to dedicate at least an hour to try to get this Wikipedia thing fixed, which is a big problem. I didn't realize. I know it's a problem, but I didn't realize how big of a problem it is until Fergus brought it to my attention. So we're going to have Fergus on next week to talk about the Wikipedia page. I'm also going to try to get another guest for you next week. So, M, I will see you next week, I guess. I
0: will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Keep up the
1: good fight, and don't let the trolls get to you. I won't. Bye.
0: (laughs) See you later. Bye-bye. Bye.
1: Uh, All right, guys, I want to thank uh, Jeff Steyer uh, from coming on. Just a brilliant guy, uh, tobacco harm reduction and harm reduction in general. Uh, My little rant is, uh, you know, you need harm reduction even when it comes to food. And uh, the last couple of years I've gained 30, 40 pounds. My travel, my work, my advocacy, everything I've been kind of putting into that have been taking care of my health. And I need to focus on my health a little bit. But one of the biggest problems that I have in this country is that how easy and accessible bad food is for you. And this can relate a little bit to electronic cigarettes as well, too. I mean, cigarettes are bad. Cigarettes are bad, but guess what? Anybody can buy cigarettes anywhere they want to. Nobody's banning cigarettes, right? And the same thing applies for food. You can get two for-one pizzas. You can get, on the dollar menu, 20 cheeseburgers for 20 bucks. You can get all this food that is so bad for you, so inexpensive. But guess what? You want an organic almond salad? It's eighteen ninety nine. What the fuck? Who came up with this brilliant plan? By the way, the one piece of the pizza that I always used to leave out was the crust, because I didn't like the crust. Guess what? Now they stuff it with cheese and bacon. Fuck my life, the one piece that I would not eat from the pizza. Now you're putting cheese in it and forcing me, for crying out loud to eat it. But the truth is, I have to I have to go back and I have to be true to I have to lose some weight because listen. God damn it, I beat cigarettes. I beat the one thing that killed my father and I'm letting this portion of my life take over. Uh, and this country is so hypocritical. They're making the bad stuff for you so cheap and so accessible. And they're making the good stuff for you. <laughs> like, electronic cigarettes. They're trying to ban them. They might as well ban an organic almond solid because it costs eighteen ninety nine. Nobody's going to fucking buy it. <laughs> what is wrong with this picture? Harm reduction. It's a concept, boys. Harm reduction. We have to get people to buy into it, especially the people that are trying to run our lives. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Smoke Free Radio. I will be back next Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, I miss you guys. I'm glad to be back. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful evening.